Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. It's not hard to spot the ditch in the hive. A deep, gouging river that cuts through Sigil like a festering wound. The miasma of refuse and decay hangs in the air along the banks, and the ground oozes with rot grubs and other indeterminable slimes. The furling span that bridges this section is home to beggars and peddlers desperate enough to choose this spot, most overlooked by harmonium patrols, to scrape a little jink off those bub-blind foolish enough to cross. It is treacherously run down, and each step you take risks a loose board or rotten post. At the center of the span, a ragged being tears at their clothing and beats at their chest, ignoring the kicks and jeers of passers-by. Their origin is wholly unfamiliar to you. Streams of tears have carved channels down their dust-covered face. They look to be a pilgrim of sorts but the dirt covering their body makes it nearly impossible to see who is beneath. As you approach, they chant and roll their head in a ritual of grief and longing. I'm on the... What's wrong? Why are you crying? They halt their frenzied chanting and glare at you with tear-rimmed eyes. Their parched mouth opens to speak, but all you hear is a withered croak. Their voice is so hoarse that it sounds like they've been without water for days. I am a crier of S. Annan. S. Annan? Who is that? Who? Who is S. Annan? (laughs) They throw back their head and give a rasping laugh. It sounds brutal and defeated. S. Annan, it is not a being of flesh. But a city most fair. Why do you cry for a city? We cry its name because S. Annan must not be forgotten. All the criers of S. Annan carry this burden. You mourn a city? Why do you do such a thing? <sighs> because its name is all that remains. Its avenues of light, its great spiraling parks, when it was laid waste and reduced to memory, only three score of its people survived. It was our duty to see that its name was remembered across the plains. Many criers of Esanen have died for the sake of remembering. Many. If it places you and the others at risk, why don't you stop? The tears I shed, the dust that cloaks me, these things are as nothing compared to what awaits should I give up my sacred burden. 
We must see to it that its name is remembered. We are living memorials to its passage. If that's so, th then what happens if you all die? A fresh tear springs to the crier's eye. Even his dirt-crusted face cannot disguise his look of despair. I do not know. We cries of a saddened cannot mourn it forever. Even now, the dust clings to our robes. The spit dries in our mouths. Our bodies wither and die. It sounds as if the act of remembering Asanon places what remains of its people at risk. Is it worth so much? The dirt caking their face shatters as they let loose a snarl. You know nothing. You saw naught of its beauty. Naught of its splendor. Would you discard such a memory? Such a perfect memory if you possessed it. Is there any way I could help you? Unless you can immortalize us, Adam, there, there is no help to be had. Does it have to be you that cries as Anon's name? Does it matter? Another might cry the name, but then they too would die. Again, a raw tear slowly forms in the corner of their eye and begins to trickle down the cheek. There is nothing to be done. When the cries of Asanon die, so dies Asanon. What about a tombstone, then? The crier blinks. Tombstone? It's a stone that records a soul's name, their life, and a eulogy. If it serves the soul, could it not also serve the city that has died? Stones may do such things. Y yes and their lifetime is much longer than most beings. If its name was carved on stone, would S. Annan's memory be served? The being pauses. Would others see this name? Yes, it would be there for all to see long after you have died. If, if such a thing were possible, where, where would one find such a stone? I could look for one. If I find one, I could see to it that S. Annan's name is carved upon it. You... You would do this. I, I, Their eyes water up again. You would be setting all of the criers of Asanon free. But a score of us remain. The burden of remembering would be over after so many years. I will see what I can do. Stay strong. Strewn with chairs and benches and tangled washing lines, the waterside banks have a more residential feel than what you've seen in the rest of the hive. Herds of children scrap and scuffle about the pump wells, and at all hours, a congregation of bubbers writhe within the tented warrens of Ullock's Bouse, the garden tavern that sits in the center of it all. As you push your way through the morning revelry, you find a familiar face among the crowd. Still dressed in blue, but with less of the glamour from her working attire, is Amaris. Her face lights up with a smile as she sees you. Well, if it isn't the latest blood of bloods, the hero of the hive. Careful, Cutter. People around here may just start to like you. Well, nobody wants that. Good to see you again, Amaris. I hear you spoke to Nod for me, and gave him the coin. I thank you, Cutter. 
Not that I would have batted any cross-trade. Of course. But how did you know? <laughs> I told you. I have many friends in the hive, I do. She winks at you. Again, I thank you. So, what brings you to Waterside? I'm looking for someone. July. July? Huh. <laughs> you just have the knack for tumbling to the darker things. He's back there, drowning in the depths of a cup. You really do have many a friend. <laughs> Aye. And many of them be happy to see him in the dead book. Poor Sod looks to be peering over the brink. Will you take me to him? All right. But whatever's your business, I'm not to be involved, you read? Of course. July! Stooped over a barrel, you see a thin man with stained clothes and two stubby horns jutting from his forehead. He stinks of brine, vomit, and cheap wine. I brought you a new friend. Amaris! <laughs> oh, what? You, ch you change your mind about me now? Quit your yammering and park your ears, all right? This blood's here for little wigwag. His head swivels as he tries to focus on your face. Uh, I, I don't owe you nothing, do I? July. I'll be brief. Craddock needs you back at the marketplace. Craddock? Oh, oh, Craddock. Oh, me generous boss. <laughs> oh, well, you can tell him this. Yeah. He can pike off. And that he's a filthy dog, a, a cur of the lowest sort, and July is not working for him anymore. He jabs you with his finger, and you notice blood mixing with the wine stains of his sleeve. You, you tell him that? I'll tell him, from a distance. Just as you hope to be rid of this place, a commotion rises around you. Terran, stop! Now's not the time! Back off, Taryn. You're just making a fool of yourself. I can't, Elise. I cannot stand by and watch her drag you into this mess. It's none of your business, brother, dearest. I'm not your brother. And it's the blinds if you think you'll ever be part of this family. Mate, pike it. You're not helping. Well, bar that, he, he's the one she who's... She said pike it, sinker scum. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa! Mate, no! Taryn! You hear the scrape of steel and broken glass as a body reels onto the barrel between you and July, spilling more bub down his already sodden shirt. Oh, hey, what's going on? Stay out of this basher. This is between family. A muscular half-elven woman points a broken bottle at the man crumpled in front of you. This Bert was just saying goodbye to his little sister, weren't you, Terry? The man wipes blood from his mouth and weakly raises a dull-looking blade in defense. Hey, let's put away the steel, big guy. Terry, I mean it. Now's not the time. That's it, Taryn. Run along home. Fueled by a burst of fury, the trembling man lunges at the half-elf. But his attack is slow and clumsy, and she sends him careening into the ground, his short sword clambering over the cobbles. An eerie silence falls on the crowd. No gasps, no jeers, but a solemn parting as a lone figure treads forward. This tall, martial woman prowls through the hivers with predatory grace. In an elegant flick of her wrist, she shatters the glass of an ashen-faced barber as she passes, a glint of glee in her smile. <laughs> oh, I hope you didn't stop because of me. Maith, having trouble with the new family? She gently presses a steel-shod boot onto the whimpering brother-to-be. Please, leave him alone. His foolishness blinded him. Theory. I'm not here to step on worms. Besides, already with it, this one. Take my advice and keep yourself out of this, Cutter. You don't want to be putting your neck in front of a sinker's blade. You turn and see Amory slink into the silent crowd, a finger raised to her lips. No, no. No. 
It's you, July, I'm here for. She draws an immaculate sword and levels it at the tiefling's neck. Eyes blurry, July grits his teeth, and his drunken demeanor coalesces in grim acceptance. Hold your blade, stranger. I have business with this one. Oh, and you think I don't? Can't you see this man's state? Your business is already done. Or, or what? Would you cut him down while he stumbles in the depths of despair? <laughs> now you sound like one of the dead. You're pretending to be a Dusty now too, July? Unable to hold his nerve, July scrambles to his feet and rips at the cloth at his sleeve, holding forth a clasp of twisted razor vine coiled about his forearm in a plea for mercy. <laughs> oh, dearie. You think I care about one of them fox witches' charms? You tried, Scott, one. Myth? Sick of A moment of hesitation, and the half-elf is on you as July ducks behind the barrel. Her strength is immense, but she seems to be holding back, and you slip from a grapple with ease. Taran leaps to his feet and launches himself at Myth, again with the blade in his shaking hand. The Doomguard darts for July, and with the swiftness of a master, her sword sings through the air. But your hand is just as quick, and in a flash of instinct, you reach out and grasp for the shimmering metal mid-strike. White-hot pain sears up your arm, but the blade holds still. As you look at this meeting of metal and flesh, your hand begins to wither and rot. The blade itself, just new, seems now rusted and worn. Your skin cracks and falls away, but at the same moment, Tendrils of seeking bones seal in your palm. Blood congeals into muscular mass. Your hand reforms just as it is destroyed. Interesting. Darren? She whips the blade from your grasp, spraying fresh blood into the dirt. Elise? You look to Maith and the reckless Taryn, both locked still. The fight drained from their panting bodies. Maith leans back and Taran pulls his short sword from his own belly. I... I, I didn't... I, I'm, I'm sorry, Elise, I, I, I didn't... Taran drops to his knees, and Mace the half-elf flees through the crowd as Elise dives to embrace her bleeding brother. No! Well, one life for another. The wheel of entropy turns once again. Leave July. And never return. The crowd draws back as the Doomguard strides into the midst of the hive. What have you done, you burk? His breathing begins to fade. Elise looks to you in raw desperation. Help him, Cutter, please! His face, bloodless and cold, looks younger than you expected. Red pulls beneath him. You're not sure what you could do. You kneel beside him, the pain in your hand still throbbing, the licking tendrils not yet formed. You focus your breath, and with a sickening flow, a channel of crimson bridges the air between your own wound and his. Your gut wrenches in agony. You'd swear there was a hole in your stomach but his wound begins to close. Elise grabs at his hand, eyes wide with hope. Yet nothing. You were too late. 
July clambers up from behind the barrel, doing his best to feign sobriety. What? 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 What happened? As she said, leave. I don't know what you were involved in, but you failed. I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't want any of this. Leave July and never return. Amaris walks up behind him, looking you in the eye, and with a solemn nod, leads him off through the crowd. You cross back over the furling span in silence, numb to the fetid stench of the ooze below. Hey, Chief, you, you okay? I'm fine. You sure? Mort, I'm... I'm fine. Know that what came to be happened through their own choices. You chose to stand and offer aid to one who could not defend themselves. That means something. Yeah, that means... That means th nothing. Well, it, it means... It means that I brought death, one way or another. I chose to aid one, and the other took his place. I brought nothing. You acted. And that is more than most can say you let life pass by without... Life? Life passes. I, I don't know. Just, I, I am fine. Let's move on. Back at the site, you see Craddock. His scowl has deepened since when you first saw him. It looks like it's about to crack his face in two. I found July. Is that right? Craddock glances around. Where is he then? He said... to pike off that you were a cur of the lowest sort and that he wasn't going to work for you any longer. Craddock's face turns a bright red and his face cracks into a snow. Enough damn be his name! May all the evils of the place... A blistering stream of insults, threats, and speculation about July's family roots issues from Craddock's mouth. You taunts, all right. Mort clicks his teeth together as Craddock builds up steam. You can almost hear him taking notes inside his skull. And Craddock finishes his tirade with a grunt. Damn that July. You know, I could fill in for him. If you needed help, Craddock studies you for a moment. You, <laughs> you couldn't. Well, well, maybe can. It's hard work, and there's no drinking on my watch. Understood. Just show me what to do. The work is long, and the load heavy, but the distraction is welcome. And when your shift is done, Craddock beckons you over. You've a boreous shoulders, you do. You're worth thrice what July was. Here's your pay. He tosses you a pouch of coins. Now get, we've no more use for you. Farewell then. He gives you a warm grunt of approval. And while your muscles are a little sore, your mind, for now, is just a little clearer. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoca GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description.